0: Wow! I am so excited we're doing this. It's amazing that how many women have asked questions about menopause and we don't really know who to talk to. So I'm so happy that I get to come together with my friends, Carol and Kim, to have the real conversation around menopause. It's just so important for women to feel comfortable talking about these topics. And oftentimes we just don't know where to go and what kind of resources we should be looking for and especially what questions to ask. So we're gonna have an open and honest dialogue today about just that topic. And we wanna talk about the different things that happen to a woman around this time. And we've learned some amazing things, just speaking to each other. Like it's so important to have girlfriends, right ladies? I mean, really that's one of the most important things that we can do. Now, just to note, we're not doctors or health professionals, so we're not here to give any advice. But we, from time to time, are going to bring those professionals on to speak with you and to learn about, you know, all these topics that we have so many questions about. So we want to also laugh. We want to have a good time. We wanted to sort of demystify this crazy period or lack of period in a woman's <laughs> life, right? <laughs> so, I mean, we just found it amazing that all these crazy cycles that happen for a woman, whether it's menopause or menstruation... It all starts with men. And we want to bring the women back into that conversation. (laughs) All right. You know, it's just amazing. Because I remember a time when I asked my mom about menstruation and when she started her her cycle and when she ended her cycle and all of that. And she looked at me and she said, you know, I don't remember. And I really think she was dodging the conversation because she remembers exactly how much she weighed the day I got married, which is crazy. All right. So ladies, let's dive in. Let's have the conversation. I want us to be the generation that talks about this, that has the conversation, that shares, that's open and honest. And we're going to go there. We are going to go there. Kim, I know you don't hold back. So why don't you kick us off? Tell us a little bit about your menopause
1: journey. Uh, First, I want to comment on the fact that the name of this podcast is Unpaused. (laughs) And the reason why we decided on that name was that... So many women feel like at this age, whatever that age might be, because menopause covers so many, so many ages. But we had to get the conversation going about the fact that it's not time for women to, you know, settle down and sit in a corner. It's time for you to restart your life in a different manner. Uh, I've been doing podcasts and radio for uh, more than a dozen years. I enjoy these types of topics because I think people need to talk about it. I've got three sons. They're all still living at home. I would like them to move on while I move on with my (laughs) life. And uh, it's really true because you you do get to a point, and we're going to talk about hormones later, where you sort of lose the type of hormones that that you need to take care of people. So that's why those those people need to go. But there's so many ways that we can look at this. And I just want to say with my journey with menopause, I'm not unlike Petra's mother, that I have no idea when it started. If it ended, I don't really know. In fact, I think that the female body is as mysterious to females as it is to men. (laughs) So true. So true. true.
2: (laughs) Okay, I guess on to me then. I'm Carol Pucci. Very happy to be here today talking about such an important topic. Um, I guess in terms of my menopause journey, it's been seven years since I actually, I guess, officially so went through know. menopause. Yeah. I know. I knew when I was in perimenopause, I've always been very proactive about my healthcare and was so surprised to your point, how much mystery there was around menopause mm-hmm. and how little me and all my friends collectively knew about what we were all actually experiencing at the same time. So I think this menopause is incre- I mean, This uh, podcast is incredibly well timed because so much of us, so many of us, need to talk about this more. Um, and and also, yeah. instead of pretending
1: it isn't happening, which a exactly. lot of people do, right. exactly, yeah. or just
0: hiding and not being there to ask those questions. I mean, I was fifty-two when I went into menopause, but I had a really long journey before that. I yeah. mean, I had all kinds of craziness. Peri menopause was no breeze for me. Oh, I had yeah. all sorts of crazy stuff happen to my body and we'll get into that, but it was not pleasant. And there were times where, you know, I had to go buy a new pair of pants and I was like, what the what, like, what is happening to me? And, you know, I didn't really have that many people that I could share with. I worked with a lot of women who were younger than me. Clearly my mom was not a resource for me at the time. And so, you know, when I went to my OBGYN, her response was this too shall pass. And I'm not a this two
1: shall pass kind of gal. Yeah. If
0: you know me, I like to take things on, and I like to. But also, to we it.
1: don't know when this shall pass, which correct. is correct.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> so scary. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, um, so that was my story. Uh, yeah. So we really wanted to dig a little deeper and find out what is going on with a woman's body
2: during this time. Absolutely. So, one of the things that we thought is that we would start off our first actual podcast with a medical professional. As Patriot mentioned, we are not. We are just friends sitting around in our kitchen. And I have the pleasure of introducing our first guest, Bronwyn Fitz, who actually is also one of my friends and was a neighbor until I moved three months wow. ago. Um And, you know, we've had conversations also about, you know what she does she's an integrative um ob and i thought she would be the perfect first guest for us to have to kind of help answer some of the real basic questions that i think not only we, but many of our friends and family have about menopause. So with that, I'd like to
1: introduce Bronwyn. Welcome, Bronwyn. Um, Dr. Bronwyn.
2: Dr. Bronwyn. (laughs) I know that Bronwyn in the same way would like for us to sort of highlight that she is here providing information, but that this hopefully is going to help all of us take our own personal journeys with our own medical providers, um, you know, so that we are not, Bronwyn also is not Really supplying any medical information, but is here as a medical expert. So, yeah. if you can tell us a bit about yourself, and then we have some questions for you.
3: Yes, thank you so much. Well, it's an honor to be here. I am thrilled. I think you guys are doing an amazing job at starting this conversation. Um, so, uh, like Carol mentioned, I'm, a, I'm an OBGYN. So, I'm actually double board certified. Um, I'm an OBGYN and also an integrative medicine doctor. I did my training at Northwestern for medical school, OBGYN at the University of Maryland in Baltimore, and then after practicing kind of traditional gynecology for many years, I went back and did a fellowship uh, through the University of Arizona for integrative medicine. And I do, I sprinkle in a little functional medicine too.
1: And when did you start getting interested in women's health? Was that in the beginning of your medical journey?
3: Yeah, you know, I have always been interested in women's health um, through through medical school, you sort of take this circuitous path trying to figure out, you know, uh, where you want to end up. And I, I loved surgery. So initially, I was drawn into surgery, but it was definitely the women's health perspective that I wanted to be involved in um, gynecology and, and obstetrics it just it was like slam dunk for me from the beginning. Well, I mean, plastic surgery would have been easier <laughs> and probably more yeah. profitable. A lot but of things would have been easier than that path, yeah. Well, there's always vaginal
1: rejuvenation. Oh, my God. God.
3: <laughs> Yeah,
1: now you can do it anywhere, yeah. Yeah. at all.
2: Great. Okay, so we're going to delve right into the yeah. questions. We thought we would sure. just start with some of the basics. Yeah. and you can kind of walk us through what is menopause and what are some of the stages and things that we can expect?
3: Okay. So there's a lot of definitions and it's confusing. It's confusing for people and for doctors too. And it's partly confusing because the, the definitions overlap. So, but I'll start with menopause, which is defined as a woman's last menstrual period. That's it. Um, but the trick is how do you know it's the last one? (laughs) How do you know? So the way we diagnose menopause is we say it's one year after your last period. So there's this like limbo time when you're sort of like not knowing whether you're in menopause or not. It's sort
1: of (laughs) like being in between husbands
3: (laughs) and not knowing when the next
1: one's coming or not. Yeah, I get that. All right.
3: I'll take your word for it. I'm not, I don't, I don't have that expertise, but, but yeah, so menopause is, is um, we define it as one year after your last period, but it really just refers to your last period and you're in menopause as soon as you finish that last, that last period. Um, so the other term that we throw around a lot about it, is perimenopause. Perimenopause just means around the time of menopause. So it, it's, we define it as when your periods initially start changing. Um, they change in nature. The timing changes, the quality changes. Um, and it's a little um, it's kind of a soft, you know, it's a soft call, right? Like you are the only one who can tell your doctor whether you're in that you know time yet. So perimenopause starts when the menstrual st- menstrual cycle begins to change, which for most women is several years before their last period. Um, and then perimenopause ends. At the end of that twelve-month period after your last menstrual cycle, so it's so you're in menopause and in perimenopause technically at the same time.
0: So this could go on forever, right? It seems like this was a forever process for me—like ten years of my life spent. Is am it? I or am I? What am I? Am I peri? Am I? Pausey, am i i was so yep. confused
1: but yeah. that sort of, it sort of begs then the question of what the different changes are physically or mm-hmm. and mentally uh mm-hmm. between period and actual menopause and then post menopause because yeah. that's that is what i think people get most confused about like the brain fog the weight gain so my question sort of g- going uh, around around the bend is What's normal then? There's no such thing as normal, and from what we've experienced, because everybody's adventure is so different.
3: Yeah, you know, there's no, um, in that sense, there's everyone's experience is unique. And I usually counsel my patients by saying, expect the unexpected, um, and that you know is can hopefully be a little bit reassuring. Like the main thing is your periods are going to change, and that's and that's normal, and eventually they stop, which is like, yay, it's fantastic. <laughs> stop. Um, but it is different for everyone because what's happening initially in perimenopause is the first thing that happens is we're sort of exhausting our egg supply, right? And so, um, some people experience that acutely when they're trying to get pregnant, right? Infertility. And, and that's a whole other kind of, um, difficulty that many women face, but, um, beyond, you know, when we're trying to get pregnant, as we naturally are, um, reaching the end of our egg supply, you're not ovulating, regularly and predictably. And so as that happens, you're no longer getting a really um, robust kind of supply of progesterone in that second half of your menstrual cycle, because it's only with the, with ovulation that we see progesterone being produced by the ovary in the second part of the menstrual cycle. And so um, you can still be having irregular cycles and we often call it an ovulatory bleeding. Um, but when we lack that progesterone, that's when we see the instability of the bleeding, um, the unpredictability, and we also see sleep disruption, anxiety, sometimes the beginning of some hot flushes at night. So these are, along with the bleeding changes, those are kind of the hallmark symptoms when I I know someone's really in perimenopause. Yeah. Well,
1: with the progesterone, is that also what causes women to sprout facial hair? I mean, mm. these are the things yeah. that really scare the heck out of you. I thought that. Was I mean, more, I know, but what yeah. what is it that all of a sudden you start getting nervous because those sorts of changes? Yeah, you understand that maybe you're going to start having a weird period, but there's other really yucky changes when you take a look in the mirror and you say, "You're kidding me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah the dreaded
2: chin here. We called them yeah, the VCA. And but for it, me, it was <laughs> it was breakouts. Yeah,
1: all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. My mid
2: forties, because I technically But she was know. able
1: to hide it on oh. her facial hair. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so
1: it was all right.
2: I remember feeling like <laughs> she, <beard>. <laughs> double, but it was like such a
1: double wavy. Okay. So insecure. So which part of the female? I mean, uh, we're yeah. supposed to be getting X, Y, and Z and we're not. So is that yeah. what cause? Look at We don't know anything clearly. <laughs>
3: so every everyone. Is different and it is interesting. People talk about the you know the hair changes. Um, a lot of people notice hair thinning, their hair used to be thick and robust, and now it's kind of thin. There's a couple different um uh theories on that. One of it is that this whole time is stressful, right? It's just it's a huge stressor, and stress in itself we know can be hard on the hair. Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting is you know, theories that as the um as the progesterone and estrogen levels begin to fall. Um, the testosterone levels become more significant. their testosterone's not going up, and testosterone oh, does right. do a little bit of a slow burn our whole lives. But I think we we're used to seeing estrogen higher than testosterone. and now all of a sudden testosterone is higher than estrogen as as the um, menopausal transition begins to happen. So some people theorize that it's this kind of relative, you know, change in that ratio that can um be, you know um affecting those changes as well
1: well and that's why you know they're always talking about the evil men who get better looking as they age because (laughs) because they are just keeping their testosterone and getting more good looking and we're becoming men yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) and i mean when i was in perimenopause i thought my uterus was falling out i mean i had some of these crazy heavy periods and i didn't know what to do and i didn't know what it was and then i found out that it was hormonally related polyps and those That's were returning. I mean, it was like, you know, stalactites growing in my vagina. And I was like, what is going on here? It was crazy.
3: Yeah. And I didn't well, even that, know what was happening to me. So we see often an uptick in bleeding problems, whether it's a polyp or a fibroid or just heavy bleeding in general. Again, it's that lack of progesterone. So the estrogen isn't necessarily going so much higher. It's just that the estrogen used to be have these checks and balances with that progesterone. And as the progesterone kind of disappears, we've got all this estrogen stimulation that ironically makes periods heavier and worse and closer together before they completely disappear. And that's the big sort of surprise for a lot of women.
2: That yeah. was exactly my experience.
3: And no one tells us, and no one warns you. us, right? No one, did anyone warn you?
0: Cause mm-hmm. no one warned me. I would like a, I'd like an email. I would like an email <laughs> that says, you know, you're entering this phase here's what to watch out for. But, then, no but, it,
1: but it's not consistent, right? So you don't know if that's going to happen to you once, twice. Right.
3: Right. And it doesn't happen to everyone. Some people, their periods do just kind of like, you know, dissipate and go away. I don't think that's the majority of women, but everyone's experience is different. Yeah. I mean, we were
0: sitting around comparing tampon sizes. I'm
3: like, oh, I'm <laughs> a
0: double XL. And my other friends like, I'm oh, using the little tiny one that looks like a pencil eraser. And I was like, no. <laughs> So you know, I mean, I think uh, that leads me to want to understand. Like, I just I need some more clarity around what questions we should be asking because I didn't know who to talk to. I sort of went to my doctor and I I asked her eventually, but I mean, it was months before I I was able to have that conversation.
1: Yeah, and I don't know, Doctor Bronwyn, if you have found this with uh, your patients or with people that you know, but the biggest thing that my doctor or his nurse would say to me when I would go for my annual is, oh you haven't gained more weight. I mean, so they really focused on the weight. And I know that it can be, you know, that happens to a lot of people, particularly in the middle of, uh, but what I was curious about was why that was the only thing they spoke to me about. Do you have any um, comment on that?
3: I don't, I don't. Because (laughs) um, there are other things that happen in menopause that might be, you know, more significant. I mean, I I don't want to downplay the body changes that people experience because many women find them very distressing. Um, There is, we know from observational data starting from two years before a woman's last menstrual period to two years after, there's a doubling in fat acquisition with a simultaneous loss of muscle mass. So there's (laughs) like redistribution (laughs) of like people are like, I, what is going on here? Like I've never, you know, so um so some of it is you know is hormonal and I hate to say like it 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 this is normal and this is aging like people want to shoot me when you know when I say like this is this is aging but we know that this happens and so we have to we have to adapt you know we we have you have to adapt you can't do the same exercise you always did you can't eat the same way you always did you can't drink the same way you always did you can't sleep the same you like everything has to change right,
1: right. so
3: what questions should we be asking because this is all
0: really great information but when you're in it you get kind of bogged down and you get really kind of insular and it's hard to know what to ask i feel like every woman should be prepared with the four or five questions i agree right
3: yeah yeah um so it, it depends on what age you are i mean i like to you know try to counsel people before all this happens so they can sort of know what to expect and i usually um, ask people, I'm like, just be in touch with me. Tell me what's going on. Tell me how your periods are, how your mood is, you know, hot flashes sleep. I guess the most important thing I think a patient can ask a doctor is a, if you're in your forties, what, you know, what can I expect to happen? What is normal? Because just knowing that your periods are going to get potentially heavier, closer together before they go away. That's a huge, that's a huge important thing to understand. And then to find out um, what are my options for hormone replacement therapy? Because there are are lots of options and it's an important conversation to have. There are risks and benefits, but I think the pendulum has swung back and forth and we really need to be back in this whole area where you need to have um, a good long conversation with your doctor about um, maybe considering to go on hormones through perimenopause. You don't have to wait until a year post-menopause um, ideally, women get started on hormonal support when they first start having symptoms, and then we change that hormonal regimen as her, you know, symptoms evolve um, to the point where we get someone on a a good stable kind of postmenopausal hormone regimen. Um, so I think just making sure your doctor is kind of knowledgeable about hormones and open to hormones. Um, not that they're for everybody, but. Uh, if you're getting real pushback or like blank stare from your doctor, I think that's um, maybe a sign to find a someone else to talk to.
0: So let's talk about that for a second, because yeah, I think if, yeah. yeah if your doctor's not giving you the answer that you need or think, you, and you don't know where to go after that, are there other resources? Are there other places? I mean, obviously, we're having the conversation among our friends, and you know, Carol and I had a whole conversation about hormones, and Kim also has shared her experience there. But where else can we go? Are there other places if we're not getting what we need from
3: our doctor? Absolutely. So um, I think just just to cut straight to the chase, you know, for um, doctors who are educated in menopausal care, if you go to menopause.org, that's the National American Menopause Society, which I think they're rebranding, but menopause.org. Um, these are the these are the academic leaders in you know in this country who really are. Um, doing the research and calling the research and making guidelines, evidence-based guidelines, and um really kind of allowing the rest of you know, the OBGYN community to follow evidence-based guidelines. So what you can do is you can find doctors who are members of this organization and you can put in find a provider. Um, so so that's probably one of one of the quickest ways. Um, and you know, I would, I would encourage people to, um, to interview doctors, just like if, if someone told you you needed surgery, hopefully you're not just having surgery with the first person who mentioned it and you're interviewing multiple people. I think it's, um, it's perfectly fine. And, and sometimes people use the word like doctor shopping, doctor shopping is great. Go for it. Like you need to find someone who's going to partner with you and it might take, you know, talking to a couple different people and no guilt, just move on and find the right fit. So much guilt yeah so much guilt among women no What's guilt so- no guilt the person who delivered your baby may not be the best doctor to get you through. Right. that's great advice and that's, that's just it's yeah. it's a fact of life that OBGYN is such an enormous field it's literally impossible to be expert in all of the different arenas of fertility and having babies and you know gyn cancer and menopause and adolescence we don't do it all so you know it makes sense to find someone who really focuses on that
1: Right. And until that, there were so many people and you talk about stress with just going through it, the weight gain, the hair growing or losing or whatever. It's all, it's all very stressful. So therefore, I've seen a lot of women get not only anxious, but quite depressed. Mm-hmm. So the, the question is, there's some doctor shopping in that, because do you often advise women to maybe talk to a therapist? I mean, some women really hit a wall with this where this is why we're talking about being unpaused so that you don't feel like this is the end of the line for you, but some women need more than that. And how would you guide them?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'm a huge fan of, you need a healthcare team. You don't just go to one person. So you got to have to have your team in place, which is going to be a therapist, maybe a psychiatrist, maybe a Reiki practitioner, you know, know, everybody. So um, if someone's really suffering with depression number one, you know, seek help. Absolutely. Um, And hormones uh, can play a role in that, you know, for sure.
1: You know, and I just want to say, because I think we have to, we have to close here soon, that a part of this whole thing, and I'm sure all you women would agree, is that women, you know, we took care of everybody else, right? And now we're saying, like, we're suffering and it's time to like step out of that role and take care of ourselves and let everybody else go to the wolves. I mean, because <laughs> it, but it's hard for us to do. And it's yes. very hard for a lot of women to step away from that role. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the main things that we want. That's the message that we want to send by talking to various specialists and helping women understand that this is really your time. Even if you don't feel like it is like you're down or you're, you're feeling doubtful about your future. This is exactly the opposite.
2: And, and I yeah. think to add to that, that I, I was chatting with friends earlier today about this and that I said, well, you know, it is a journey and I'm, it's really nice to be on this journey with my friends. And I think trying to reinforce that, that we are not alone. Cause I think mm-hmm. often women do yeah. end up feeling down because they feel like they're alone and they don't understand what they're going through and they're not not relating to others. So I think having these opportunities um, really
1: can help. Right. And the men, a lot of times aren't helpful because again, they're afraid of like, they don't even know who you are as you're going through this, or there's a lack of intimacy, which is the word we're going to use so that people don't find us vulgar. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's really true though. So sometimes the men in your lives may have no idea what to do with you. So it's even more important. That's my take on it before we close, Betcha. Mm.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, having somebody to talk to can make a world of difference. And having these open conversations can be life-changing for a lot of women because you're in this for a long time. I mean, you can be in this for 20 years of your life. And, you know, to feel not great and to feel unsupported for that long sucks. It sucks.
1: Yeah, but plus there isn't, a unless you want to counter the point, there's no woman that doesn't go through it. Right. That mm-hmm. is true. I mean, really, Right. That's a big thing. So any last words, Dr. Bronwyn?
3: Um, well, thank you for having the conversation. I mean, I always try to end on a positive note. I mean, menopause is, is a fantastic phase of life. I mean, it's like hallelujah. You know, you don't have to <laughs> worry about periods anymore. It, it's It's a wonderful so phase of life. So a lot of people, I think, look at it with sort of trepidation and dread, I think in part because the process can be, it's a bumpy road for some women, but I guess my point is that it doesn't have to be as bumpy. If you do it alone, like you were just saying, if you're doing it alone, it's gonna be lonely and bumpy. If you if you bring your family and friends into it and if you partner with an excellent doctor who's supporting you hormonally, um, it's an amazing time of life. Yeah, I'm just happy I can wear white pants again. <laughs>
1: look at that if they fit exactly. <laughs> okay. so thank you for joining us today dr brunwin fits on um this is unpaused yeah. you can actually if you want to contact us we prefer the nicer notes but um we're not angry anymore so it's um unpaused podcast at gmail.com that's how you can contact us uh, going forward, we're going to be talking to you, all sorts of different specialists, from sex therapists to people who really understand the difference between hormones that you get at a drugstore and hormones you get from a street vendor. So there's uh, all sorts of different ways that you can take care of yourself, but we're going to try to target the stuff that that really works. I want to thank my co-host, Petra Benzavina, Carol Pucci, I'm Kim Burns. Thank you for joining us today on Unpaused.